Hello, and welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis podcast. I'm your host, Chris Peterson. We hope you and yours are all doing well. We're recording this at the start of the summer here in North America, and we hope that everyone is finding some space to catch their breath, build up their energy and creativity a bit for the long-term sustainability effort. On the topic of energy and creativity, we're particularly excited to welcome today's guest, Lemis Tarahanyong, Director of Product Sustainability and Green Chemistry at Anthesis Group, who joined us from Estee Lauder and continues to support their efforts, and Ana Espinosa, Packaging Sustainability Manager with Estee Lauder Company. Thank you both so much for joining. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Wonderful. Maybe to kick things off, I think it's really interesting when we think about packaging, products, the whole bit, and wondering, as experts in the field, what is it that you see that people are buying when they're thinking about a package, a product, outcome, et cetera? I'll take the first stop at that question, Chris. Most people buy an experience or an end result, and that has changed over time. You look at different generations. Some generations are more loyal to brands. Some generations are more loyal to owning and keeping products. I think we've seen the shift lately to more experience-based purchases and result-based purchases. And I think that opens up the opportunity for completely new business models that will help us consume better and perhaps even consume less and, and help solve the climate crisis that we're living in. And that doesn't mean that, that it will have an impact on the growth that companies have. On the contrary, we've seen new, more sustainable business models over and over create more growth and value for both consumers and companies. I love what you're saying, Lomis. I think to add to that, though in the past, perhaps we were buying things or services that would help us basically achieve or get a need met. Now, it's certainly about maybe not just only needs, but wants, desires, right? But ultimately, it's about you buy the purpose of that product or that packaging. You don't necessarily want to buy a hammer just because it's a hammer you want to do something with it and what you're buying is that that will get you to meet that goal and so ultimately to Lamy's point when we think about sustainability is really about understanding in a way that we integrate design in terms of looking at it from a sustainability point of view how do we understand what that need or desire or want really is and then design from there how to more efficiently basically create something. And are there models that come to mind or kind of additional thoughts in that area? I would say definitely many that I guess could be applied depending on the type of products, the type of service, the type of company that you are in your own journey, many multiple methodologies. Like one of the things that both I believe through design thinking, but as well kind of sustainability management, I think both kind of Lemmys and I do is really to understand the needs of these different quote unquote clients, right, that we work with and then provide those steps, strategies, methodologies that they could use depending on what they want to achieve. Sustainability in a way has many, many multiple tools that allow you to in a way, step back, take inventory, assess what you want to do, and then from there move forward. 
And as many other industries, you know, of course, there are guidelines, there are KPIs and all of these type of things. But ultimately, it's really about designing and engineering your goals, your values. Where do you want to go? And there are incremental examples and there are transformational examples. An incremental example, you probably have seen Levi's latest marketing campaigns around durability. And they are placing themselves as a durable apparel brand. If you look at what's happening in apparel, six out of 10 items of clothing that get sold within a year end up in a landfill. So we are putting out more than people really need, maybe not more than people want or think they want. But there is definitely a model out there to increase durability, even repairability, or look at resell, which many other apparel brands are doing. A disruptive transformational example is looking at Uber or even Airbnb. Not everybody thinks of them as a sustainable company, but they are because you're not building new cars just to transport people. You're not building new buildings just to offer a service to people. There are other examples on the personal care side around refills. Gillette was one of the first ones to create a business model that is by design sustainable, where you're buying a replacement item and keeping the bigger, more hefty ergonomic item that you hold, that you own, and you could even in some cases customize. These are touching on different aspects of sustainable design from reduction to durability and beyond. And to me, one of the most interesting tools or methods or methodologies, as you were asking, Chris, in the sustainability space, in a way, something simple in terms of how you approach it, but very complex because it really takes a lot of stakeholders and thought to be put into it. But ultimately, sustainability matrices are very interesting because it allows companies to really think through what are the most important things for them for their stakeholders, what are their stakeholders, what are the risks associated to potentially doing something or not doing something. And this to me kind of delivers a little bit more of what we think of when we look at the sustainability journey, particularly from a corporate point of view, you'll see that companies go through many phases and that typically when a company is really um, in the sustainability space that they have advanced a lot, they will start to become a little bit more purpose driven, right? It, they wouldn't know what their purpose of existence is and ultimately align their businesses with that purpose. And, you know, Lemis and I were talking about some of these examples with companies that sometimes you wouldn't necessarily think about as sustainable, like CVS, right? And CVS in the past was actually just CVS Pharmacy. However, it, I believe it was about 2014 that they decided to move towards a more holistic approach to medicine and health, and they became CVS Health. And it just happened to be that at that moment, you know, nicotine products were going through a very hard period where everyone was finding out what were the effects on health and so on. And they were the first pharmacy and health company to pull all the nicotine products from their store. And they did it because they knew that part of their new purpose was to become a holistic provider of health. And that if this was something that wasn't helping their consumers to achieve health, 
but then these was not longer aligned with their business. However, you know, sometimes people think that for you to be purpose driven, then that you need to sacrifice maybe profits or your business models, but it, in a way it allows you to, again, design better and to innovate in the ways that your business are implemented and introduced. And then how do you go about them? And so for CVS Health now, they saw a different opportunity there in which they knew that they were going to lose money by pulling out the products. However, they also saw it as an opportunity to deliver new services, to deliver and introduce new products that ultimately brought them way more revenue than continuing to sell the products. And so this is where some of these tools like the sustainability metrics help companies really understand what's their purpose and then align everything that they do so that they achieve their sustainability goals. No, that's great. I think the challenge with sustainability is it can be ever expanding, right? But I think that that concept of the purpose being an anchor that helps to bring all that together is a really helpful framework. And I'd love to come back in a minute to digging into like, how do you start to establish that? What are some of the things you found around that that work well? How do you kind of start to identify what those models could be or what that looks like going forward? But maybe before we get into that, you know, I know in speaking to the two of you previously, you talked about consumer transformations and that kind of framework for thinking from a design perspective that I thought was really fascinating. I was curious if you could kind of share that with the group as well as kind of how you see sustainability fitting into that process or that thinking. So the way that products are designed, successful products, is by identifying a consumer need and addressing it. And one of the ways to do that is you apply design thinking and you think through the transformations that a product goes through in terms of the consumer experience. The zero moment of truth when the consumer learns about the product, uh, the first moment of truth, the second and third which are when they encounter the product, when they open it. And as a designer and a product developer, you have to imagine those process and test those process and go through the experience yourself, but through the lens of different consumers. Everybody has different hands. Everybody has different mindsets. Everybody, we're all different. And applying the concept of life cycle thinking and sustainability thinking through each of those transformations is something that has to be done more and more. When you're opening a box, how easy it is, how much empty space there is on it. And that's what, for example, Amazon calls frustration-free packaging. If there's a ton of material that isn't recyclable or there's a ton of empty space, it immediately causes frustration. Or if you're removing a tag from a clothing item that is going straight on the trash, or if you don't really know if the product you're buying has PFAS or bisphenols or some other toxic chemicals, those are tensions that are more and more in the minds of consumers. Is what I'm buying safe? And then as a company, how can you address those points of tension that are sometimes very immediate, but with the advent of sustainability and the change in consumer habits and education, they're becoming less immediate. People are thinking more about the future. So as a company, you have to think about your success now, how much product you'll sell in the next month, in this quarter, but what's your long-term viability and what's the long-term social benefit and environmental benefit that you're bringing to planet and the, and the consumer? So that's what we call really life cycle design thinking for sustainability. 
I think to me, you know, it took me a while to basically disassociate the word design with potentially arts or something that it's more kind of like related. You kind of think about design and you think about just people that are very creative or kind of just actually drawing a product or that type of thinking. But like it has been interesting in my perspective to learn from some of the people that are are in these fields and kind of understand I was recently hearing someone from the MIT Media Lab and she is an excellent example of in my perspective what design might represent and not only design but all of the other areas that sort of interact with design that are very inspiring in terms of you don't have to be a designer to actually implement design. You don't have to have a title that says designer to actually be able to utilize design or design thinking in the job that you do. And to me, actually, you know, as a industrial engineer by training, I didn't realize that I was applying a lot of design thinking as I was trying to improve processes, for instance, because again, ultimately we think about it only from maybe a product point of view rather than a more holistic picture. But one of the things that this person was saying is that basically when you look at things, science is really about getting information and getting that knowledge, creating that knowledge. Engineering, it's about putting that knowledge into practice and design, it's about understanding the culture and the social behaviors. And so part of what Lamis is saying here, it's, you know, this design thinking, it's really about looking at the full picture and then potentially step back so that you're able to then go through the process of the creation with different lens that are more proactive rather than reactive in that sense. Yeah, I know. I love that framework and that explanation and maybe to take it to that question of like how do you actually do that in practice you know and obviously we can't do a master's course here in the next kind of 10 or 15 minutes but would love what are some of those key things that really stand out for the two of you as Anna, as you're saying how do you kind of incorporate that understanding element of design into your thinking and i think the example of the paquette work that we did plays in well here so i'm happy to introduce it and pass it on to you for the sustainability side. So we identified the challenge of sachets or paquettes, as they're known in the U.S., not being recyclable and that being a consumer tension. Anna and others identified a serious movement in the U.K. called Dash the Sachet. And sachets are widely used across beverage, food, beauty, and beyond. And they don't just have sustainability challenges. They're also not easy to use. Opening one it's a very difficult process. You need to use your teeth, your two hands, perhaps a knife. So the work that we did and, and launched for Estee Lauder is a paper paquette that is had a, a perf line, very easy to open with a design that made it easy to grab two ends of it and then twist it and open it. And it had barrier properties, so it could hold different types of formula in the beauty industry. So that is... An example of thinking through those transformations, meeting performance requirements, and launching an incremental, almost transformational launch that addressed some clear consumer needs. And at the end of the day, when I try to be empathetic and put myself in the shoes of the consumer, 
I think as consumers, sometimes we don't necessarily understand all the complexity that goes behind even these small or what it could seem as a small transformation of a very small sachet that potentially you didn't even care about, right? But this is where a lot of collaboration amongst many industries is necessary in order to really move forward sustainability and where these ideas or these methods of thinking through the lens of design really helped us, right? Because that allowed us to very much bring together a group of different experts that were really looking at things from different angles and that also were open to look at, you know, the life cycle, as Lemis was saying, in which we were trying to understand not only how to drive recyclability, which is very important, but it's not all for when it comes to packaging, and how can we actually understand how to make these innovation better from all angles. So in looking at that idea of the life cycle, we really study all the different points the raw materials of the sachet, how it was produced, how it was transported, how it gets to the consumer, and really try to understand how to make it better in each step of the way so that ultimately it became a truly more responsible way of delivering these package and ultimately the product and more so the experience, because as Lamis was saying, it didn't only address the idea of making it, you know, more aligned with some of the sustainability goals, but also made it very much more ergonomical. It allowed to deliver a more luxurious experience. And this is where, you know, truly uh, sustainability can be used as a way to elevate the engagement that you have with the consumer. Fascinating example. And I think, like I said, really curious to kind of peel back the layers of that, you know, and I am hearing kind of that materials element of ensuring you've got something that can contain the product, you know, that's shelf stable, et cetera, you know, that systems need for kind of how do you incorporate kind of those drivers across society. And then coming back to your earlier comment on about the purpose, right. And maybe you could just speak a little bit about how that helped to anchor that process, or if there's other things that you feel were really kind of critical in bringing that, systemic, the materials base, et cetera, all together. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's one of the things that maybe for now responds to the main need of the consumer, of it being a step in the consumer journey in which we are engaging with them to be able to deliver a product, to introduce them to a product, to really serve that, right? But at the end of the day, really thinking it through in the sense of what they were buying, again, was not necessarily the sachet, maybe not even what was in it, but what it did for them, then we want to ensure that as you do that, that you create not only the least damage, but the most good. And that in a way was something that we were really thinking through, particularly because in the context in which we launched this product, really align with the purpose and the mission of the company that took it. And so in that sense, really help them deliver their business model, deliver their purpose, their values through something like this. 
But I would say, Chris, in the context of the solutions as a whole, I think a lot of people think about sustainability just in terms of materials, maybe end of life. And there's so many other elements when it comes to that, right? You know, it's even really about changing behaviors, changing mindsets, and really starting to understand why are we doing this? Why is the consumer looking for this? Or why does this need to even exist? And then from there, trying to really deliver potential tools, potential solutions that, again, might respond to that question. And Chris, one thing I want to highlight is multifunctional collaboration to achieve these kinds of projects. Anna has talked about cross-industry, cross-companies, coalitions, and groups to solve these challenges. But just sometimes getting teams within a company to work together, which is something that we've done, Anna, who's in the sustainability team at ELC and uh, bringing in the R&D teams, which I was a part of, and having them work together to exchange knowledge and build a product story is key because, yes, something can be recyclable, but what about all these other life cycle analysis metrics? Like, are you increasing the material use and are you increasing the carbon footprint? How do you define something as recyclable in the different regions? And then bringing the material science groups also to address performance. It's really not business as usual, you know, as some other innovations that use your typical technologies like injection molding, grow molding, uh, extrusion, and, you know, kind of putting the same materials together with the usual thread part design. You do your drop testing. It's kind of like a a machine that as an R&D person, you're sometimes pumping out new products that are not extremely innovative. You know, when it comes to formulas, you're using the same emulsion systems over and over again with a few added or subtracted ingredients. How do you really go beyond and look for substitutions for things like silicones or preservatives that are known to be endocrine disruptors and things like that? So that multifunctional collaboration is happening after companies talking for many years about breaking down the silos. I think sustainability has the potential to be that thing that finally breaks down those silos to solve longstanding challenges and breaking away from the shackles of historic technologies that need a refresh. Yeah, it certainly seems like in its best case, sustainability can be that sledgehammer for those silos. But I know in lots of organizations, those are very kind of rigid and so I'd be curious to hear as you two reflect on your experience, like what, what do you think really helped unlock that throughout your careers and the engagements you've had? I think to me, honestly, it's uh, pretty much going back to human nature. We all sit in these roles and in these companies, but we are all still human. And whether it is that we come at it from a consumer perspective, from an employee perspective, from an employer perspective, there are things that we care about that inspire us and sustainability in my perspective it's a very personal decision it's a very personal journey that really depends on who you are what you care about what is happening around you like all these different things that might influence the way that you move and see the world and one of the things that i believe you know has been particularly useful when it comes to implementing sustainability, which 
is oftentimes about change management because it really is about disrupting many of the ways that we have and that sort of continue to have is basically building that human connection and showing people perhaps how they can care and how what they do matters. Because at the end of the day, that really turns maybe a simple task into something very meaningful that then would allow them to engage further, right? At the end of the day, in many companies, sustainability, depending on where they are in their journey, might be an additional task that you as a employee have, you know, need to do. And so that becomes like maybe something that you're resistant about. But then when you find a point of connection that might become of interest to you, whatever that is, then definitely you become more engaged and at the end of the day, kind of more passionate about something that you would want rather than have to do. As an R&D career person, my job has been to find problems to solve. And that could be color payout, that could be the feel of a certain product on the skin, you know, all of those things. Some of those problems are trends. Like all of a sudden folks want shiny lips, all of a sudden folks want more natural looking skin, and they ebb and flow. When it comes to sustainability, it's discovering that it's not a trend, that it is an enduring need, and it's a life of or death situation that we need to tackle. It's to me, it became the ultimate R&D or the ultimate consumer need to solve. And you double click on sustainability and you've got all sorts of issues, toxicity, footprint, water consumption, designing products for water scarcity. How do you shave with less water? You double click on it and you could go on for hours listing out the challenges. It, it unlocks amazing list of challenge for somebody that really wants to work and likes technical discovery and also has a passion for embedding a marketing perspective and a new way of thinking of what you're selling and what you're providing beyond just an object, you know, more of a, a benefit. And I think, you know, to that, let me, in my perspective, and this is where I believe that design is an extent of storytelling. It's so important, but storytelling in general, just because language is on a, such an important piece of being humans. And in this sense, really, when I say, you know, trying to understand how to connect with these people might be really even kind of stepping back. Like oftentimes I think as a sustainability professional, I can geek out about all these different methodologies or the jargon with potentially other peers or mentors in the industry or mentees or like people in the industry that perhaps will understand what I'm talking about if I'm using this jargon. But as any industry that might have some technical jargon, you have to realize that perhaps if I come to you and I say, well, sustainability is going to make your life better, that might not really resonate with you. But what if you care about, I don't know, reducing the cost, reducing your supply chain, making it better, or, you know, from a marketing point of view, maybe that is giving you more stories, more innovative stories, more innovative products. And so it's really finding what is it that you care from the role that you have 
and then ultimately again just showing people how in a way and this is like the funny thing to me that really sustainability it's in a way nothing new there isn't many people that have been implementing it for decades it was just not called that way right and so now that it has a name everyone's defining it differently that could be a disadvantage but that could also be part of the beauty of it because everyone can find a way to really touch it and sometimes without even knowing but you know that's that's where it comes um what where the where the fun comes from i think and where the engagement can be added so maybe just one last question before we wrap up is you know what's the one thing you would really want people to know about R&D, design, sustainability, from your perspective. Lemis, do you want to go first on that? Yeah. Well, the most important aspect of design for sustainability and design thinking in general is to have the right brief that touches on all of those transformations that I was talking about. And having in mind that idea of how can you help folks consume better, and that's really receive the benefit that they're looking for. And the more that you go to that point in your brief, whatever it is that you may be building, a phone, a computer, a laboratory product, a personal care item, the better result that you will have. And the more that you have your consumer life in mind today, but also five, 10 years from now, because that's where the consumer's minds are going in more and more. And that's what's gonna enable purpose and sustained growth in the coming decisive decade that we're in. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for joining for the time, the insights, the kind of insight on what design means, a hidden world to a lot of us. So really appreciate it. Thank you both. Uh, very honored to be sharing my thoughts with you and, you know, super happy always to speak about something that I'm extremely passionate about. So hopefully we get more folks to be as passionate, if not more, because we need more people caring ultimately. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. It was, it was a pleasure. And thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. And thank you for listening. We've included some helpful resources if you'd like to dig further in on these topics in the show notes, including a link to the Anthesis Sustainable Products and Services page. Lemis and I can be reached at our first.lastname at anthesisgroup.com, and Anna can be contacted via Espinosa Anna, all one word, on LinkedIn. All the best. <laughs>